Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know I've talked to people from every state, from Maine to Hawaii, Alaska to Florida, all points in between, from borough council and school board, all the way up to U.S. Senate with my two Democratic senators from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman and Bob Casey. Um, And to me, the most important elections are state legislative elections, and especially true now where some of the worst things are happening on a state legislative level, and as we'll talk today, some of the best things are actually happening on a state legislative level as well, and a lot of the time people are not paying attention to the bad, the good, the indifferent. Hopefully you will pay attention, and maybe you'll be inspired to run for office yourself after listening to my new friend, hopefully we'll be friends, State Senator Liz Bolden from Minnesota. Liz, thank you so much for talking today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So it sounds like you've been quite busy overall the last few weeks. Um, I'm going to get into some more stuff, but what's been occupying the most amount of your time? So yes, we have been busy. The pace of the legislative session this year has been unlike uh, something most of us have experienced. And so we, um, unexpectedly for some, but not unexpectedly for others, uh, in the last election, um, earned a trifecta in our state government. So the we have a Democrat uh, majority in both the House and the Senate and uh, in the governor's office as well. So that allows us to, uh, you know, pass our agenda and, and really, you know, get things done and pass bills in a way that we have not been able to for many years. We've had divided government for the last eight years, and it really has been gridlock and standstill. And so uh, there's a backlog of things that we, uh, you know, needed to get done and uh, certainly work before us. So we're getting things done. And this is your first time working in a Democratic trifecta, right? That is correct. Yes, I served. Uh, I'm currently serving my first term in the Senate. Um, and prior to this, I served one term in the House. And before, so before I get into all of that, and I'm really excited to, the question I always ask people is, you started in politics as someone who was a voter. You know, you paid attention to issues. You, uh, you voted. You read up on things. When did you take the leap from being a voter to someone who is more active, maybe as a candidate or being involved in campaigns? Yeah, I'll say um, getting involved in politics, especially in elected office, isn't something I anticipated I would be doing in my life, um, you know, a handful of years ago. Uh, But it was around 2016 uh, that I really started getting involved in community organizing and um, on on a local level um, around issues that I am passionate about and work that I wanted to see done. Uh, and then in 2018, uh, volunteered on a state house race, um, and then ran for the first time in 2020. So, you know, life sometimes takes twists and turns that you don't always anticipate. And, uh, I, am a doer and I, I, you know, started out, uh, as I said, just with community organizing and sort of advocacy. And then, uh, sort of one thing led to another and, uh, you know, here I am because I, I want to get things done. And, you know, one of the first people I was inspired by in politics is Paul Wellstone. Um, You know, my first campaign was in 2002 in Iowa. And obviously, we know what happened in 2002, uh, sadly, with Senator Wellstone then. But I was working for Tom Harkin, who was their best friends, literally not just like, you know, they worked together. Um, But I was inspired by him because he had MS. And my mom has MS. And it was kind of all the stuff he was doing on healthcare. Uh, so it seems like Minnesota, you can't avoid politics from everything I've known. It's the highest voter participation rate. A lot of stuff, good, bad, and difference happened in Minnesota over the last 30 years. Is that true? Like if you're in Minnesota, do you just like trip over politics when you're walking to the store? 
I mean, to some degree, that absolutely is true. And I will, I'll just take this opportunity to say, you know, Paul Wellstone's legacy looms large in Minnesota um, and for good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we do have uh, often the highest voter turnout. Minnesotans love to vote um, and we are engaged uh, in, and which is a great thing. And so, yeah, I'm uh, um, not, uh, you know, surprised uh, that we have a really engaged uh, and and evolved electorate. and, And that's a good thing. That's as it should be. And your career before going into elected office was in healthcare. Obviously, it's one of your top priorities now with a trifecta before you had a trifecta. What about that on a state level kind of inspired you to take that on as an issue in politics? Absolutely. So my work outside of of the legislature is as a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for over 20 years and and still am. I I take a leave of absence during session, but uh, I, you know, when we're out of session, I'm back working at the bedside as a nurse. And so, you know, that work um, uh, influences my, you know, my work in the state capitol. And so I have seen up close for, you know, over two decades, how we have a healthcare system that does not work for most people. Uh, you know, it's a system built around uh, profits largely and not centered around ensuring that everybody has the care that they need. And so seeing the effects of that for many, many years and, you know, having my own personal experiences uh, with healthcare and lack of healthcare and the challenges in the healthcare system, um, all of that combined, um, uh, really leads me to have healthcare as a one of my top, uh, you know, focuses as a, you know my work in St. Paul. And my, in my life, I worked as a union organizer at a healthcare union, SCIU, working for nurses years before I got involved in running myself. And it seems like with all the things happening in healthcare, it's really hard to be a nurse and not be politically engaged because it so directly impacts your work. Is that your experience in nursing as well? Absolutely. And I, I tell people um, oftentimes, you know, the, the few people that I hear say, you know, I don't care about politics. My, my sort of line back is, you know, you might not care about politics, but co- politics cares about you. We make decisions at the state capitol that directly impacts people's lives. And yeah, I think certainly as a nurse, I hear there, there's not a shift that goes by where I'm taking care of patients that I don't hear, um, you know, the challenges in the system, whether it's, you know, access to care or the cost of care. Um, and over my time, over the 20 years I've been a nurse, I hear that more and more. It, it did not used to be um, as common and frequent um, as it is now. I mean, literally, there's not a shift that goes by that I don't hear from my patients unsolicited because my patients don't know who I am. <laughs> they don't know that I'm a state senator. Um, but just through, you know, uh, conversations with them and their families throughout my shift, um, more often than not, it comes up in one way or another. So that brings me up to something I've been talking to a lot of my guests about. And uh, my state senator, John Fetterman, just had not state senator, but my my state senator, my state senator, someone else, um, just had issues with depression, mental health issues, and very admirable that you're so public about it. But when you're in a, a legislator, you see the good and bad of the impact of your legislation or about not passing it. When you're a nurse, you see the good and bad about healthcare. What's the? Is there one that's more emotionally stressful because you see that impact, or is it the same? Does that help you with? kind of the the stress and the, the focus on what you're doing and passing bills? I mean, it's, it's both, right? It's, um, I, you know, see, you know, the good work that we can do. I see how that plays out. I see the difference that that makes for people. And as we pass legislation that expands access for people and, um, you know, works to uh, increase, uh, you know, um, 
wages for healthcare staff, I, I directly see the impacts of that. I also directly see the impacts of the gaps that we have in our system. Just uh, this morning, I was at a listening session around healthcare and heard um, really impactful stories of people where, honestly, our healthcare system failed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a woman who um, her husband died because he didn't have access to, didn't have health insurance, didn't have access to preventative care. Another gentleman who had his hand amputated uh, and did not have insurance, did not have access to care. I mean, it's there's story after story that are heartbreaking and and uh, just wrong, honestly. And so I carry those stories with me to the Capitol to sort of you know, as fuel to keep going because we, this is a system that we have to, uh, you know, overhaul. So it, it really does meet the needs of citizens. So you ran for office for the first time a couple of years ago for the state house. What was your vision? What were you hoping to accomplish when you ran, especially knowing that you may or may not be in control of government when you win? Yeah. So, you know, I first ran for office for the house, uh, in 2020. Um, and at that time it really, and really the goal is the same for me as it, as it was the last time I ran for the Senate is to be sure that Minnesotans have what they need, that everybody is safe and cared for and can thrive, that we have, you know, a government that is responsive to the needs of its citizens. Um, and that we are meeting people's needs that we are ensuring that everyone is cared for. Um, and it's really as simple as that. And that is possible. We absolutely can do that. And, you know, Minnesotans care about each other and they, we work together. They want that, uh, for each other. Um, but the reality is we, as I said, we, we had a system where we had divided government for the last eight years and my experience in the house. Um, and at that time we had a, a Democrat majority in the house and a GOP majority in the Senate. My experience in the house was we passed some really great legislation off the house floor and then we would send it over to the Senate and it was just and roadblocks. Nothing would happen to it. Uh, And so, you know, again, that's not meeting the needs of Minnesotans. And so that was definitely one thing that prompted me to run uh, for the Senate. So let's, I mean, I can talk all about your time in the House and that's fun, but you're more excited about what you're doing now, right? So um, what what do you think it was that helped you guys win in 2022, in the year when uh, the Democrats control the White House. So in theory, in a state like Minnesota, which almost went for Donald Trump in 2016, it is, but everyone always calls it a swing state, even if it hasn't voted Republican in a while. Um, so from everything I've seen online, there should be some sort of backlash of the party in power, but you guys were successful. What, what made you successful in 2022? I mean, I think uh, the one of the short answers to that is organizing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had conversations with, uh, Minnesotans in every corner of the state. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I not, I don't know how many doors I knocked. It was thousands. Um, and, you know, just having those conversations with our neighbors about what matters to them and what they, uh, you know, want to see and how we can work together. Uh, and what I heard on the doors and those thousands of conversations, um, I will say the top thing was, uh, choice, and reproductive freedom. And, you know, uh, across the country, we are seeing uh, women's rights and uh, autonomy over our own bodies um, attacked and diminished. Um, And that had people fired up and not just women and Mm -hmm. and not just that mean that crossed sort of every demographic that you might imagine. It was older people. It was younger people. It was men. It was women. It was, it was everyone I had. That was the the top thing I heard about for people. And so there was a a very clear choice um, in Minnesota of who, you know, the folks on the ballot who were going to protect reproductive freedoms and those who were not. 
not. Uh, another top issue that I heard of was certainly healthcare as well, um, as well as education, as well as democracy. Um, and again, that's another space I think where we are seeing uh, in state legislatures, you know, across the country, there is a stark divide and a clear difference in vision of who wants to protect and expand democracy and who continues to attack and diminish and move towards you know, away from democracy. You know, talk to people, like I said, from every state and it seems like from Montana to Colorado to Virginia and Kansas and maybe in Minnesota too, there's three parties. There's like, there's the democratic party, which is kind of center left. Um, seems to be the more moderate party in a lot of issues. And then there's two Republican parties. There's the business Republicans. Maybe they would be like Norm Coleman from years ago. I don't have a lot of opinions about them personally, but like people who are focused on taxes and less regulation. And then there are like the true believers of all of the fringe stuff. And that's, is that how it is in Minnesota? And that's how you're able to kind of win because there's a lot of people who are turned off by that far fringe stuff. Oh, I think there's definitely uh, people are turned off by that far fringe, um, uh, you know, area of the party. And, and the reality is, um, you know, we're right or wrong. Uh, you know, we're in a two party system. And so what we have seen in Minnesota, uh, you know, has been the uh, GOP party, you know, they vote in lockstep. And so it there might be, you know, you could argue that there's differences within the party, but as they are voting, as they are introducing legislation, uh, there is a clear and stark difference um, between sort of the, the vision uh, of the two parties. And, and you know, as I said, really the, the work um, of the GOP in the Senate over the last eight years uh, was just to obstruct and, and block any, any progress, anything from actually happening. And I think people are, are tired of that. Mm -hmm. They want a government who is responsive to the needs of Minnesotans, and that's just not what they were seeing. Yeah, I saw that even this week, right, where you just needed to get one or co a couple Republicans to vote for infrastructure type things. And it seems pretty nonpartisan, seems like it would help everybody. It's not one of those hot button issues that's on MSNBC or Fox, and you couldn't get anyone on your side. It's hard for any of them to claim to be bipartisan when they can't even vote on infrastructure. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So uh, last week we had a vote on a what we call a bonding bill, which is it's infrastructure, it's capital investment, it's project, it's roads and bridges and um, and and uh, water projects. There is an area of Minnesota where they haven't had drinking water for a year and a half, and so one of the projects in this bill was to fix that, to give this community drinking water. Uh, and the senator from that community who represents those folks did not would not vote for the bill. Um, and so you know it really looks like I think to Minnesotans and feels like. Uh, you know, political games and people are tired of that. And um, yeah, because that that is a, a, a bonding bill requires a supermajority and uh, so would require uh, GOP votes to pass. And uh, that didn't that didn't happen. And so what that means, and it was a very balanced bill, I will say to it actually was a bill that was negotiated last year with much Republican input. And it was very balanced. It was pretty much 50% GOP projects and 50% uh, Democrat projects and 50% Metro versus 50%, um, you know, outstate. It was a very balanced bill. Um, but uh, we, we didn't get one vote from the other side of the aisle. And, and you know, the folks that are um, affected and impacted by that are Minnesotans. And it's unfortunate and quite frustrating. It, it obviously is frustrating, but it seems from everything I've seen that the incentive structure in politics is really messed up because what incentive is there for anyone who's in the out party 
to give the in party, the, the majority party, any wins at all. If they want to win the next election, especially, they don't win, need to win 20 more seats to get a majority, right? They, they only need to win a couple to win a majority in one, one of the houses there. So what is the incentive, if you think you can just kind of wait it out to the next election to get what you want, isn't that kind of messed up in terms of that thinking and to passing or not passing legislation? I mean, I think it is messed up if your focus is on elections and winning and holding on to power or reaching power. Um, you know, I uh, I don't look at it that way, and I, I uh, appreciate my colleagues who also don't look at it that way. I look at it as, you know, we are here to get the work done for Minnesotans and meet the needs of Minnesotans. And those are, are vast and varied, and, you know, I... Um, you know, I want to be rooted in our values and really pass policy and legislation that is meeting the needs of Minnesotans and not so much worried about, uh, you know, elections and votes and what that's going to look like. Because the reality is, if we are doing that work well and connecting with Minnesotans and, and um, you know, speaking to them and meeting their needs, then they're going to continue to want us to do that. Yeah. Speaking of doing the work in Minnesota that you're trying to get it done. People online have been talking about Minnesota and Michigan as places where Democrats finally have a trifecta, not big majorities, but just narrow trifectas, and they are, like, moving like Usain Bolt. They just are, like, going through, like, you're trying to, uh, you're at a scouting combine, you want the an NFL team to pick you up. How important is it for you, knowing the, the calendar, to get as much done as possible as a legislature, as a Democratic Party? Oh, it's hugely important. I think, um, and you're correct, we have a very slim majority. We have a one-vote majority. We are 34 to 33, so we have to stay together and work together as a team, and, and we have done that um, to pass really big things this session. We passed, um, you know, clean energy by 2040. We've passed universal lunches. We passed restore the vote um, uh, and more, and a number of things. We passed bills to codify um, reproductive freedoms, uh, uh, driver's licenses for all, a number of really big and impactful things. And it is hugely important that we keep the, the the pedal down because there is a whole lot of work to do for Minnesotans. Again, I'll just go back to, you know, we've had eight years of gridlock. So there is a backlog of work that needs to be done at the same time as, um, you know, the pressing issues happening right now with, you know, attacks on democracy and attacks on reproductive freedoms uh, and and the you know role of state legislatures are increasingly uh, important. So um, we absolutely are working to get the most done for Minnesotans in the short time that we have. Our legislative session goes from January to May. And so I have a... Um, uh, a device, um, a countdown on my desk that counts down the days left in session. And every day I come into my office, I see that number uh, as a reminder of the days left that we have left to do big things for Minnesotans. And so that's what we're going to keep doing in the, all the time that we have. Well, again, that's why I appreciate it. you're giving me any time because I mean, it sounds exhausting, but also, you know, very, we talked about emotional stress, but that's got to be really uplifting to you. Like you went in, you were, you were backlogged, I mean, on a personal level, as someone who wants to get stuff done, how does that feel knowing what you couldn't get done before and what you can't get done now? Oh, it it's, it's absolutely feels good. It feels like this is what we should be doing. You know, I feel a, a, the weight of responsibility of this office and this work. And uh, I know the huge expectations that uh, our constituents have for us, and rightfully so. And so actually being able to deliver for Minnesotans and do big things that will have direct impacts on their lives, um, it is rewarding because I, I know the impact that will have on my community. 
So there's a great picture that came out a few weeks ago um, comparing your governor, Governor Walls, with Governor Huckabee Sanders from Arkansas. Uh, have you seen this where he is happy and loved by children as he expands school lunches and which I have kids. They're in grade school now, third and first grade. I love free school lunches, even though I could afford it. That, it takes any stigma away from lunch. And then she is next to some pretty morose-looking children, to be fair, because now 14-year-olds or 13-year-olds can work without a permit. Do you see this comparison all the time? Is it in your head of, like, what are we doing versus what these other states are doing? Yeah, first of all, I loved those pictures. I thought they were so great and just the joy in those kids' faces because that's a that's a, like a visual representation of what we should be doing. We should be improving Minnesotans' lives, and that's what we are doing. And so, um, yeah, I think that definitely is a sort of an accurate representation. And, and it, I have always argued that state legislatures are like the most important place where decisions get made. I, there's a lot of sort of... Um, uh, you know, look towards the federal level. And that's important too. But, you know, I have always argued that at the state level is really that has a more direct impact on people's lives. And I think that is more and more true with every passing day as we are seeing what is happening in, in state legislatures across the across the country. And so um, absolutely, it's it's a reflection of the the responsibility um, and, the, and the, the power that we have, you know, in St. Paul to really impact people's lives. Yeah, I on a local level, we're we're doing things as a planning commission, things that you can't really do on a federal level. You can get federal support for, but we can think about the next five to ten years. Is that something when you're crafting legislation for your community or for the state as a whole that you can look at and say, okay, where is St. Paul going to be 10, 15 years from now? Where are these projects going to be in the long term? Or are you just looking at the next the next bill? I think it absolutely has to be a balance. I mean, we have to be meeting the needs that we have right now and with an eye towards, you know, what will be the needs and, and what is the impact of this, uh, you know, next year and then the next five years and the next 10 years. I think, you know, like the climate crisis is a is a space where we think about that. Um, and, you know, having passed the, the Clean Energy by 2040 bill, that's, you know, that's something there's certainly things that will um, impact people's lives now, but that is certainly forward looking and that's part of our role also. And one thing I've seen that you've been working on really well and other state, well, I think Michigan's been doing this too with their narrow majority um, and, and uh, more Democratic states are doing is working on trans rights in a positive direction. It's something that's obviously very important to you. I've seen you post about it. And we've seen the really devastating effects from, from uh, conservative states um, where probably the majority of the people don't want that passed, but it's what the legislature wants. Is it important? Why is it important for Democrats to have to focus on this, even if they have a majority? Like, it seems like a lot of Democrats think, you know what, let's not touch those issues. Let's just focus on health care, focus on jobs. We don't need to touch those um, social issues and let them look like crazy people while we do this thing. Why is it important to not ignore issues like protecting the trans community? Well, I think right now what we are seeing, again, across the country and what other states are doing um, is terrifying, really. Yeah. And it's it's putting people's lives in danger in a very real way. And so um, and all of these issues are connected. I mean, the fact that, that you're right, the protecting uh, our trans neighbors um, is something that the majority of people want. And the fact that that isn't happening in other states is also a democracy problem. So, you know, all of these issues are connected. Mm -hmm. And so it is critically important that we are um, uh, doing everything we can and passing legislation to, uh, you know, protect our trans neighbors uh, because it is the right thing to do, because it is who we are, it's our values, and and to, to um, ensure that we are a welcoming state, uh, 
because you know what we're what we are seeing right now is that people are fleeing other states because they are yeah. scared for their lives and rightfully so because of what is happening there and so um you know we want to everyone to know that minnesota is a welcoming state and so not only are we protecting minnesotans but uh, as other people are are fleeing other states where they're in danger they are welcome here as well and they're fleeing states that are close to you because so we have you know like i said we keep comparing to michigan because of the narrow majority but i've been i spent my time in iowa i said at the beginning people may not feel as welcome there um, which is unfortunate to me because I know Iowa people are actually welcoming um, and they want to come to Minnesota or they're leaving Wisconsin, though things may be improving there. What would you say to the Democrats or the progressive people in states like Wisconsin and Iowa, what they can look to Minnesota at from as an example of how they can kind of move the needle and get those successes? I mean, I think these are, we can't shy away from these issues, right? These are the issues of our time, and this is what people are calling for, and this is what is needed in this moment. I think, you know, in many ways, the urgency of the moment we are in is really, really clear, mm-hmm. both in terms of, of, of trans rights and human rights and, you know, attacks on democracy and women's rights. Um, the We are in a moment where, uh, you know, the moment uh, is calling for us to take action. And so I think we need to not shy away from that, but lean into that um, and, you know, do all we can to really be sure that we are um, ensuring safe communities and protecting our neighbors and making it really clear that we are standing in our values um, and, and being those welcoming communities. Well, and like as kind of inferring too, there's a lot of Democrats who may not want to touch some issues. Maybe they want to be more cautious. Maybe they want to be even uh, more aggressive than you. I don't know. And you are a leader in the Democratic Party now in the state Senate in Minnesota. How as a leader do you balance the different views of the Democrats in your party to get all these things done with the narrow time that you might have? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, you know, we're a big tent party, right? And so there definitely are uh, differences in views. And that's a healthy thing. I think the way to navigate that is to talk about it and be having conversations and be in dialogue um, with the the shared goal of, you know, doing the work for Minnesotans. Um, and we may have, you know, different ideas on, you know, how we get there and what is the best policy. And but it's through conversations that we um, get to the place of yes, where we can do, the, you know, the work of the people. Um, and really, it's based on, um, you know, listening to our constituents and folks in our district and what is being asked of us. Um, and in large part, you know, that that's, that's what we're doing. That's the, the work of Minnesotans that we're doing. And it's not it's not easy, um, but it's it's what we're here to do. And so having some of those you know difficult conversations to get to a place of uh, of yes, where we can all you know agree and move forward. And again, we we have a slim majority. We we can't lose any votes. And so what that means is you gotta you gotta figure it out. You gotta work together and keep having those conversations until until we do figure it out, so we can move forward. And one place thing we want to do to get people to the place of yes is to get to the place of yes, I'll run for office whether it is state senator like you or borough council or school board or even something higher, with it being 2023 with all these very difficult issues to work on and people's personal lives, why would you be encouraging other people to run for office, maybe especially more women running for office? Absolutely. We need more women running for office and holding office. I would say if you are even thinking about running for office, whether that is state legislature or school board or any of any any of the above, 
do it. Step up, step out. Um, it, if it may be out of your comfort zone, uh, talk to other folks who, um, you know, have done it or have experience. Uh, I reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. We, we need more uh, women. We need more moms. We need more nurses or people with, you know, real life, those experiences. Um, and so, um, you know, you can do it. <laughs> the, uh, uh, there absolutely are resources and, you know, you don't, have to know everything about policy. Um, you you need to care. You need to be a hard worker, um, and you can learn those other pieces. And so, I just would really encourage anybody who is thinking about it to um, to, to step up and get more information uh, and to run. And one thing before people do run, I know even myself, even though I've been involved, it sounded so exhausting and stressful. Um, I didn't have kids yet, but it was like, what's what am I going to do with my time? And, but now that you're in the majority, now you can do the things you want to do when you have, I'm sure you've made at least one or two friends. Isn't it more, is it fun now? Are you having fun and enjoying your time now that you're able to do things? Oh, absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. It is fun, uh, to be able to get things done for Minnesotans. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Well, not just fun to get things done for Minnesotans. Like that's the political, but you have fun cause you like have people you go to work like. If I go to work at like a factory or a work, I don't want to talk about politics because I don't know if that person's crazy. I mean, I do talk to politics with people I know I agree with, but like you have friends now, right? Like you can talk yeah. to people and is that like, I want to make sure people who are listening might go, yeah, okay, maybe there's people I can be friends with. Oh yeah, abs- absolutely. And it's, um, it's an experience like no other because I, you know, I have no, now have friends from all over the state in a yeah. way that, you know, these are not folks that I normally would cross paths with, you know, in other ways. And so that's valuable because, you know, you, I get to learn from others. And so again, that's the value of having, you know, some diversity and in, in people who are running for office because, uh, yeah, I do have, uh, it, I, I love the people I work with and our paths would probably not have crossed, uh, you know, were we not doing this work. Definitely. Yeah. It's hard to make friends as an adult. And I think my best friends now are all because I run for office and know people that I wouldn't have ever, ever met otherwise. Um, but you might make some friends from beyond Minnesota if people listen to this, and they might encourage to listen to you and learn from you. If people are interested in reaching out, finding out more, and uh, getting your tips for running for office, what would? how can they reach out and learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you can follow me on social media, um, at Liz Bolden, M-N. Uh, Bolden is B-O-L-D-O-N. Um, or you can reach me via email at Liz at lizbolden.com. Um, and truly I'm happy to, to chat with anybody who is thinking of running for office. Uh, I, we really, I strongly believe we, we need more, more folks, uh, and you know, that diversity of representation. And so, um, it is possible. It can seem daunting at first and I know I've, I've been there. Um, but it, it absolutely is possible. And I'm, I'm happy to chat with people and, and give more information and encourage people to run. Great. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, I encourage everyone to reach out to Liz. Trust me, she'll get back to you. Uh, she did. She got back to me. Uh, she's the RN for MN, and she's doing a lot of things for men and women in Minnesota and children of all ages. So thank you, Liz, so much for what you're doing for Minnesota, and I hope anyone that's listening that they're encouraged to run for office too. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun.